Hey. I just found out that I took Taffy's psalm. She was going to take Psalm 27, but I got there first. So that's good. Because it is literally the best one. If there can be a best one, there probably can't, can there? Hey, it's good to be here. Good to see everyone. A few new faces. Lots of old faces. When I say old, I mean like regular. Nice to see Steve playing the drums today, wasn't it? He's actually quite good. He, he said he was, and now I believe him. <laughs> so, oh, it's lovely. Yeah, it's a real joyful atmosphere here today, and, and just a real, such a love for Jesus. I mean, that's a good thing in church, right? Um, and just such a passion to worship him. Well done, you guys. Worship team did such a good job this morning, and Steve. Um, the worship team and Steve did a great job this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Nimi, for your word as well. And, um, and it just all flows into to what I think God's going to say to us through Psalm 27 today. My wife, Carla, once again, sends her love. Um, she, she does exist. <laughs> um, she's in Kids Church today, serving, running Rising Stars, our infant school age group in Portsmouth. There will be about uh, 45 children in a classroom-sized room, uh, and it's going to be hot, <laughs> noisy, and sweaty, and I know where I'd rather be. <laughs> um, actually, three weeks ago, I led that group, and um, I love being involved in the kids' ministry, actually, um, and just see such a, a need for us to disciple our children from age zero up. Um, in whatever way is appropriate for their age but you know they they absorb so much my daughter Lola is with me today you might have seen her and she is just a sponge when it comes to the things of God Um, and it's such an easy age to to talk to uh, your child about Jesus and to teach them the the foundational truths of of God so uh, I'm glad we did that with our boys who are 18 and 15 now Um, yeah (laughs) Yeah, an 18-year-old son. I don't look old enough, do I? (laughs) We were actually married for five years before we had kids. It was wonderful. Um, (laughs) And then my hair was so black. (laughs) And then children. (laughs) 18 years worth of grey hair. (laughs) Thanks, Corbin. Anyway, let's get on. Uh, So Psalm 27 is the psalm that I'm going to speak about today, and we're going to read the whole thing, but not straight away. We're going to just read it in sections today. So, right, so this psalm was written by David before, we think, before he had become king. Um, He'd already been chosen by God. Uh, In fact, he was chosen before he was even born, wasn't he? And uh, Samuel came along to Jesse's house, checked out all Jesse's sons. None of them were the right fit for the king. God hadn't said uh, any of them were going to be king. And then he said, you must have another son. And and Jesse and his brothers were like, well, there is that that runt in the field looking after the sheep. And Samuel's like, well, bring him here. And, And he made them stay and wait until someone had gone to get David, brought him there. And he's like, this is the one that God has chosen. David is the one that God has chosen to be king. And uh, so Jesse got his oil and he poured it over David's head. I'm sure it was more glamorous than that. You know, it's probably quite ceremonial. But the oil represented um, the anointing of God. And that word anoint, it means to smear with oil. <laughs> um, literally. And it means to set apart for God's purposes. And so from that day forward, David was set apart for the purposes of God. Um, 
And uh, so this psalm, we think, is written between that happening. Uh, of course, the next thing that happened was he went and uh, killed Goliath in the valley. Um, and much later, he became the king of, Is- well, of Judah first and then of Israel. He was actually anointed three times. Uh, once when God chose him, once when he became the king of Judah, and then the king of uh, the, the um the whole nation of Judah and Israel. Um, and um, so this was probably written, this psalm was probably written uh, when David was in hiding from King Saul because King Saul had heard that um, David had, had been chosen by God to replace him as king and King Saul wasn't going to step away quietly. Um, he wanted to hold on to his kingdom and onto his throne. Um, and I feel bad for David because he's like, well, it's not my fault. God chose me. I mean, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, and he saw my heart and decided that I was the right one for the job. Um, so God had a clear purpose for David's life, right? David had been set apart by God uh, for his purpose. David also had a very real enemy in King Saul who was very opposed to David walking in his purpose that God had given him. So I want you to know as we start off today that God has a purpose for you. And I say that to my 18-year-old son who has no idea what he wants to do with his life. Um, And I just keep reminding him, God has a purpose for you. Keep asking because God will speak. You have to open your heart. You have to be, be ready to hear. But you have to know that God has got a purpose for your life. And he has set you apart for his purpose already. Because he has poured out his Holy Spirit upon you. And the Holy Spirit in the Bible is represented by oil. And and God says that he has anointed you for his purpose for your life. And how has he anointed you? How has he um, poured out his oil upon you, set you apart? Well, he has done that by giving his Holy Spirit to you. God himself has come to reside with you, to live with you, to coach you, to cheer you on. God himself is a part of your life and he wants to be very involved in your daily life and he wants to lead you into his purpose. So you have been set apart for the purpose of God. The minute that you chose Jesus, the minute you said yes to Jesus, yes Jesus, I believe that you took my sin on the cross, I believe that you were buried and you rose from the dead, that you are the living King of Kings and that you are the first of those who would rise from the dead and inherit the inherit the heavens. I believe in you Jesus. And the minute you did that, you were set apart for God. You were made right in the eyes of God. God looks at your life simply because you believed in Jesus and you believe what he did for you on the cross. And he says, wow, you are right before me. You are perfect in my sight. I don't see any of the junk, any of the sin, any of the dirt, any of the filth that once separated you from me. You are clean in my sight. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? Like that is it. That is the core of Christianity. It's the core of having a relationship with God. And no other religion can offer that to you. Um, It's all about works in other religions. But in Christianity, it's about simply believing in Jesus. And that changes your life. And it makes you want to do stuff for Jesus. It makes you want to live out the purpose of God for your life. Amen? Amen? So, 
God set you apart for his purpose. But you also need to know this. You've got a very real enemy who is opposed to you walking in that purpose. And at Family Church, we don't focus on the devil too much. Um, He doesn't deserve that kind of credit. Um, But what I will say is that there is a very real devil. And he hates it when God's people, when God's kids say, I'm going to live out the purpose of God for my life. He hates it. And he opposes it. And he wants to come against it. Now, Jesus, when he was baptized in water, was set apart by Father God. And that was represented by, the remember, the dove came and landed upon him. Um, and, the, and the dove represented the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. Um, and I just love also that, you know, in that moment, the Father spoke. The Son was baptized. The Holy Spirit, represented by the dove, was there. The, the God who is three yet one. One yet three. Uh, what a mystery, yet what an awesome thing about our God. That, that God is a, a triune God. Anyway, oh, I'm everywhere today. Um, so Jesus was set apart by the Father, as the the dove came and landed upon him at his baptism. Um, And the enemy saw that, and the enemy hated that. And you know, the very first thing, of course, that the devil came to do was to tempt Jesus. And he started by saying, if you are the Son of God, trying to put doubt in his mind regarding who he was, regarding his identity. And we've got to know who we are in God. You've got to know that you're a child of God, set apart for God, for the purpose of God. And it really helps to know the purpose of God for your life. If you don't, that will come. Just keep surrendering yourself to God's purpose, to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And God will show you his path. It's, it's, it, you don't have to stress about it. So the devil opposed Jesus walking in his purpose um, and he attempted to cause Jesus to walk away from his purpose because if Jesus had sinned in the wilderness in that 40 days in the wilderness when he was fasting um, if he'd have given into that temptation even once then he couldn't have delivered humanity from their sin but he stayed his course and he wasn't distracted by the attempts of the enemy um, to take him away from his purpose. Now, like David, Jesus knew who he was and knew the purpose of God for his life. So Jesus overcame his enemy and he left the wilderness. And it says in, um, in Luke 4, it says that Jesus left the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he'd already been set apart by God. But now, having been through temptation, having been through this time of trial and pain, Jesus was more filled with the power of God than before. And that's interesting, isn't it? That sometimes in life when we go through challenges and we go through pain and we go through trials and we stay the course and we lean into God... You, you will come out more filled with the power of God than when you went into that, that time of challenge. I think that's amazing. Um, and then Jesus went into the synagogue. And we haven't touched Psalm 27 yet, have we? Um, <laughs> then Jesus went into the synagogue <laughs> in Galilee. And he read from the book of Isaiah. And what did he say? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to dot, 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 preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, um, open the eyes of the blind and not that order. Um, 
But Jesus went into the synagogue, knowing who he was, in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing the purpose of God, being set apart for God. And he declared these words, I have been anointed, I've been set apart by God for this purpose. And it's so important that we know our purpose, that we know who we are in God, and that we know that God has set us apart. And do not let the enemy distract you. The, the devil is the enemy of, of you and I as, as Christians. Do not let him distract you. Um, life throws stuff at us. Situations throw stuff, stuff at us. The devil's not always involved with that stuff, but there can be a lot of stuff that distracts us from the purpose of God. And I want to say to you today, do not let stuff, do not let your enemy distract you from the purpose of God for your life. Um, so now we're going to look at Psalm 27 verses 1 to 3, first of all. Because as we read this psalm, I want you to, to, hear, uh, to hear this. That God has set you apart for his purpose. The enemy opposes the purpose of God for your life. And this psalm gives us keys to overcoming the attack of the enemy and standing strong in the battles that we face. So if you want to stand strong in life, if you want to overcome the attempts of the enemy to distract you from God's purpose, here's five things from Psalm 27 that you should do. Number one, do not fear. Well done, Daphne. Do not fear. So let's read the first three verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is New King James Version. I know Steve likes the New Living Translation. This is the New King James Version. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me in this... In the midst of this, I will be confident. What great words. What courageous, assured words we are hearing here from David, who was being hunted down by King Saul to kill him. He literally had a death warrant over his life. So in the midst of the battles that we face, we can be confident as we find our hope and our deliverance and our salvation and our strength in God. It says in some, in verse 1 there, my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. You know, light speaks of hope. Salvation speaks of deliverance. He's the strength of my life. We find everything we need in God. You look for what you need in the world, you don't find it. But you look for what you need in God, you find it immediately. Um, he is our hope, our deliverance, our strength. And the key to not allowing fear into our lives is found here. And in Psalm 23 verse 4, which is, is kind of my, one of my go-tos really. Um, you know the no fear brand of clothing. Um, I want to do a t-shirt that says on the back, because you are with me. Because it says in Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, so the key to, to not living in fear, to not allowing fear to consume your life or to, to rip your heart out is to know the presence of God in your life. To know that God is with you. Knowing God's presence. And I love that as we worship today, you know, I was in a place where 
people were hungry, are hungry for God's presence because we understand that without him with us, we can do nothing. Without abiding in him and him abiding in us, we can do nothing. Um, So when you ask the Holy Spirit, God, to fill your life, you can walk with great hope, great confidence, great strength, and his peace somehow in the midst of storms fills your life. Look at Peter. In, he came out of the upper room. He was filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the power of God's Spirit. And he came out of the upper room confident and bold and courageous. What made that difference? The presence of God in his life. Number two, the second key to overcoming attack and standing strong is to dwell in the house of the Lord. Verses four to six. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Now, in David's time, the house of the Lord, he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This was his greatest desire. He loved the house of the Lord. Now, the house of the Lord was the dwelling place of God on earth, which was the physical temple in David's time. It was a place of safety and sanctuary from battles. It was a place where David could kind of pull himself together again. It's where he gathered with others to worship God and it's where he would meet with God. Now for us, what is the house of the Lord? Well, first of all, um, the moment that you accept Jesus, you have full access to the heavenly realm, to, to God himself. There is no curtain anymore dividing your life between God's presence. Um, you can come any moment. Jesus said to the woman um, at the well, um, you know, the time is coming when people won't have to come to Jerusalem to worship me or go to the temple and it won't have to be at a certain time but wherever you are, whenever you want, you can come before God, you can step into his very presence and worship him. That's what Jesus gave to us. Um, But the house of the Lord, well, often when the New Testament refers to the house of the Lord, it's talking about the church. It's the dwelling place of God on earth, which is the church. And the church isn't the building. The church is the people. The church is the people. We are living stones that make up a spiritual temple. So forget about the building. Forget about where we are or when it is. We are the church, the people of the church. And when we come together, we are that spiritual temple, um, which is a dwelling place of God, it says in Ephesians. Um, and, and that Jesus is the cornerstone. And that the, the apostles and the prophets of old, they're the foundation stones. And then every person who has ever said yes to Jesus since then. We are living stones that make up God's spiritual temple. On a global scale, the church is God's temple, God's dwelling place on the earth. But on a local level, here, today, we are 
God's dwelling place on earth. And my prayer is that whenever someone steps foot into a family church congregation, they experience God's presence. They experience the very presence of the living God and it changes their lives. That's my prayer. Woo! So, God has called us, his church, to be a place of safety and sanctuary from the battles. When you come to church, when you come to church, it's theologically impossible because you are the church. Um, when you gather with God's people, um, it's important that uh, you don't leave feeling like you've been through a battle. <laughs> um, it's, it's good for the church to be a place of safety and sanctuary. And I believe that the Haven't Congregation of Family Church is very much a place of safety and sanctuary from the battles of life. Um, God's called us to gather together to worship. Um, and to meet with him. That's what the church is about. So we live in a world that is full of temptation, full of battles. Anyone know that? Um, The world's the enemy's domain, where he is on a mission to steal and kill and destroy. But, according to John 10 verse 10, Jesus came that we may have life and life in abundance. So we were once lost sheep, but we were brought into God's sheepfold. Perhaps that today represents the church through Jesus, where there's safety and sanctuary and abundance of life. So let's ensure that the church is very much that place. Let's keep the church free of gossip. Let's keep the church free of backbiting. Let's keep the church free of, of wounding each other um, in, in the different ways that the world very easily wounds one another. Let's make sure the church is a place of safety and sanctuary. And let's make sure the church is a place of prayer and worship. Let's make sure Jesus is glorified in and through his church. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, Ooh. seek his face. I'm going to really get through this now, Steve. It says in verse, so this is verses 7 to, uh, to 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I love that response. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. So the cry of David's heart was, Your face, Lord, I will seek. That was his immediate response to that question, seek my face. And in verse 9, David prayed that God wouldn't turn his face away from him. That God wouldn't leave him or forsake him. And I just want to say to you today, because of what Jesus has done, we can be fully assured that the face of God is turned towards us. He says that he hides us under the shadow of his wing. That we're the apple of his eye. That's what he says about us. Um, That he will never, he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. We can know God's presence when the enemy attacks in the midst of life's battle and storms you can know God's presence with no fear that he will turn his back on you or forsake you he's the only one who is completely faithful verse 10 when my father and mother forsake me the Lord will take care of me God is the only one who will never forsake you or leave you it says in Hebrews 4 verse 16 because it's the father's desire and, and God's 
delight that we would run into his arms. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for us. And it says, let us therefore, in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm also reminded that when I fix my eyes on God, my focus is taken away from the enemy's attack and from the battle. And my focus is just on the one who adores me. Isn't that wonderful? So first of all, do not fear. The second thing is dwell in the house of the Lord. If you want to stand strong in battles, if you want to stand strong against the enemy's attack, do not fear. Dwell in the house of the Lord. Seek his face. And number four, don't stop believing. Okay, thank you. Good job, sound team. I was hoping that would work and not be a complete flop. That's the song by Journey. Can't remember the guy's name. No. So it says in verses 11 to 13. So don't stop believing is my fourth point. Verses 11 to 13. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Or... um, I think the New Living Translation, which I also love reading, um, talks about, because it does make a lot more sense sometimes, than <laughs> um, and, and it talks about just, um, you know, in spite of your enemies, um, because of their attack, help me to walk a smooth path. Uh, verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, uh, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's a song out um, from Elevation at the moment called um, Make a Way. Anyone listen to it at all? He will make... um, Anyway, it's really good. Um, (laughs) It talks about (laughs) how... um, how you might have been through stuff and you may not have seen the miracle that you're expecting. You might not have seen that, that person who was unwell rise up from their, their bed. Um, you may not have seen things happen as you hoped. Um, but um, he will make a way. Like, let's not stop believing that God is a God of miracles, that God heals the sick, that God delivers those who are oppressed and captive, that God opens the eyes of the blind. Amen? Let's not stop believing that because that's who God is and nothing can change that. Don't let, let's not let circumstances dictate how we see God. Like, how stupid is that? I get it, but like, let's, let's, think about who God is rather than what circumstances we're going through because that is much better to base our faith in God on who he actually is than the circumstances we are going through there's a lot of reasons for circumstances and the biggest one is that we live in a fallen world that is full of sin and strife so we are going to be touched by that stuff sometimes but let's lean into God and let's believe who he is. Right, anyway. So according to verse 13 here, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. If you stop believing, you'll lose heart. And the definition of being discouraged or losing heart is to rip the heart out. That's what it means to be discouraged, uh, to lose heart. So if you stop believing, you will 
be very discouraged. However, we have every reason to believe that we will see the goodness of God in our lifetime, in the land of the living, whilst we live on this earth. And perhaps we need to be encouraged rather than discouraged, losing heart. Encouragement is the opposite. And encouragement is to put heart in or to put courage in. To put courage in. Maybe we need to focus on what God says rather than what the enemy says or what circumstances say or what negative people are saying or sometimes what well-meaning people are saying. (laughs) Maybe we need to focus on what God says. And how do we find out what God says? I forgot my Bible today. I have to just confess. Um, It's not here with me. It's at home. Um, It's on the breakfast bar, actually, to be precise. Um, And if you want evidence, then... um, Huh? (laughs) In the loft. Steve, yours is in the loft, is it? (laughs) All right. (laughs) What version? New Living Translation? Yeah. Um, So... Let's, so how do we know what God says? Well, we find out from his word, don't we? The Bible. Um, which, again, like the, just quickly, the word logos, it means logic, right? Um, so Jesus was the word of God. He was the logic of God in human form. The very wisdom and essence of God displayed in a human body. The Bible is also the logos of God, the word of God, the logic, the very essence of who God is in written form. Like what an amazing thing to be able to know God um, by looking at Jesus and by reading the word. And do you know what? The church is the body of Christ. In other words, we the church should also be a picture of who God is. We should carry the Logos into this world. We should display who God is, the very essence of who he is, should be revealed through our lives as well. I just think that's like what a privilege and what... what, um, what a responsibility as well. Um, I always say that when I do dedications. It's a great privilege. It's also a massive responsibility. Um, anyway, um, so we should be leaning into God's word and be encouraged by his word. Um, and we should be people that are speaking God's word into other people's lives. Joshua 1 verses 8 and 9. Joshua was a man of courage because, here, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, Joshua understood that God was a God that would never leave him nor forsake him. He had great courage in his life because he knew what God said. He knew God through his word. So don't stop believing. You don't need to play it again. (laughs) Don't stop believing because you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Just keep believing. Number five, number five is, is lastly, and it kind of sums it all up, wait on the Lord. If you want to stand strong in the battles, if you want to overcome the attack of the enemy on your life, then wait on the Lord. Verse 14 of Psalm 27, the very last verse says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And this really summarizes everything that I've been talking about today. Um, And this waiting on God, you know, I think of waiting as sitting in a dentist's waiting room. 
um, waiting for the inevitable. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just, uh, what's the time board? Um, but this isn't the waiting that we're talking about. This is not a passive waiting. This is quite an active waiting. The, the word wait is also uh, translated to trust. Um, and, it, and it talks of not sitting back, but actively seeking after God and trusting him from a place of rest, not striving, but trusting God in an active way, seeking after him in an active way. So maybe that involves worship. Maybe it involves turning your face to his word. Maybe it involves prayer. Um, as we wait on God, we will become strong so that we can overcome the attack of the enemy when the, when the storm rages, when the battle is going on around us, we become strong because we've been waiting on the Lord. And, and even we, we can fly above the storm. And Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord or trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to be able to live out the purpose of God for your life, just as King David did, just as Jesus did, and so many others in Scripture. Um, Because you know who you are in God, and you have the tools to withstand every attack of the enemy to stand strong in the battle to stand strong in the storms Um, I just want to say as we come to a close this morning um, if you aren't yet walking in a relationship with God that can change today it's very simple today you've come into a place of safety and sanctuary from this world and I'm speaking of the people that you're with today not so much the building I think it's safe (laughs) Um, but the people are awesome Um, and all the time just becoming more awesome Um, but this is the place that you've come into today and and like I said earlier my prayer is that everyone that steps foot in the church would experience God's love and his presence and the the arms of God just wide open and welcoming people Um, and perhaps now it's time to run into the arms of God because um, his arms are wide open to you Um, he's always loved you but you've not been able to receive his love because you've not known Jesus but when you put your faith in Jesus all your sin all the stuff that once separated you from the absolutely perfect and glorious God that God is is dealt with Jesus paid the punishment for it and so now when you put your faith in Jesus, you can run into his arms and you can just be absorbed in his amazing love. And there's nothing better than that. There is nothing better than knowing that you're loved by the, the God who created the heavens and the earth and you. You. He created your life as well. Would you just bow your heads, please, church, and just pray uh, this prayer with me this morning. Everyone, would you please just pray out loud as, as we pray this prayer um, of introduction to God. Say, Dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard and I repent of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. 
I believe that you forgive me and you make all things new I surrender to you and want to take your path for my life so please fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a life that honours you thank you for loving me Amen Okay, so just keep your heads bowed just for a moment, please. If you prayed that prayer, you've just made peace with God. You've, you've made peace with God. And now, literally, everything has changed. God looks at you, and he sees someone who in his sight now is perfect. Who in his sight is able to step into his presence. What a wonderful thing to know God. And if God wants a relationship with you, he, he, he loves you. He has plans for your life. So, last thing, if you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it with your heart, then would you do one more thing for me? Just just where you are, with no one in the congregation looking around, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Thank you. us today thank you so much okay let's just lift our heads I just want to could I could you stand please as I just close in prayer today anything else you need to do Steve I'll I'll pass over in a sec okay let's just uh, let's just um, focus on God let's just close our eyes and would you um, if you're comfortable to do this would you just lift your hands to God you don't have to. Uh, but for me, it's, it's literally a sign of surrender to him. Uh, and I just want you to take hold of one of these things today that we've spoken about. So I'll just recap what we spoke about. If you're going to stand strong in the storms, if you're going to stand strong in the battle, do not fear. Maybe that's for you today. Do not fear. Know God's presence in your life and fear will flee. Secondly, dwell in the house of the Lord. Maybe you just need to surround yourself with great people. Maybe you just need to commit to just being fully in when it comes to church. Maybe you just need to commit to being a worshipper and and not letting things distract you. Um, Number three, seek his face. Again, there's no wrong time to, to pray, no wrong time to worship. God loves it when the, the cry of your heart is seek my face and you say your face Lord I will seek your face Lord I will seek let that be the cry of your heart today maybe that needs to change in your life maybe you need to become a worshipper like never before number four we talked about don't stop believing you know if you haven't seen it yet if there's things that have disappointed you discouraged you get encouraged in God turn to God's word turn to God's people get encouraged in God and number five wait on the Lord that's not sitting back waiting for something to happen but it's seeking his face it's allowing the Holy Spirit to just take you to new heights in God where you become strong and you see things from God's perspective Amen Lord I just pray for your people today I thank you so much Uh, for all you've done in this room in this place in this last hour and a half and I pray Lord that this work wouldn't just stop here but it would continue and so just continue to speak deeply into our hearts through this psalm 
um, as we go from this place, thank you for all you're going to do. Amen.